Welcome to Meet the Manufacturers podcast, brought to you by Manufacture CT and sponsored by Cone Resnick, who are dedicated to helping manufacturers and distributors to enhance their competitive position and succeed in high-pressure trade environments. Visit them online at coneresnick.com. Meet the Manufacturers is available on all of the world's biggest podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Never miss an episode again and subscribe today, wherever you get your podcasts from. On every episode, we take the opportunity to learn more about a local manufacturing business. On this episode of Meet the Manufacturers, I am excited to be speaking with Chris Now, the VP of Operations for the Toms Corporation based in Berlin, Connecticut. The Toms Corporation is an industry-leading manufacturer of life-changing devices and implants. Chris, welcome to Meet the Manufacturers. Oh, thank you for having me on. and Thanks for the intro. Oh, well, you know, that's why they pay me the small bucks. So come on, tell me a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Tom's. Tell me about the company and the products that you make to start with. Sure. So as you mentioned, Tom's Corporation is a contract manufacturer. So we supply primarily implants and mostly spinal implants. So we're, we're bridging into some other markets as well and some other segments of, within orthopedics. Uh, but we supply our products to OEMs, so big manufacturers, all the folks whose names you see when you go into a hospital and you know, hopefully you're not getting the surgery, but if you're there for like a routine checkup, they have all the same medical equipment you know, throughout their facility. So those are the folks that we're servicing. You know, We do a lot of help with the design for manufacturability. So we basically start the process or we try to start the process as soon as we're able to with these customers. So basically from concept for them or from a napkin sketch it may be if depending on the size of the customer you know through commercialization so really working through design for manufacturability working through their designs and helping them to either cut costs or um, improve the functionality of their products and ultimately make it something that we can produce for them that'll be you know reliable and cost effective you know as well as cutting edge within industry Awesome. Now, implants. Let's talk about <laughs> implants because I'm thinking, what, what are we talking here? Are we talking metalwork to hold spines together? Are we talking knee replacements? What, what, what do you mean by the word implants exactly? Currently, we're doing probably 95% of the work that we do is titanium implants. So a lot of screws to support the, the spinal market, screws and rods really anything that makes up a spinal system, which again, screws, rods, hooks, set screws. And we've recently, you know, sort of bridged into more complex milling operations to support some really interesting plate designs. Again, a lot of spine, but also getting into some of the extremities. So if you've ever like broken a thumb or seen somebody that had work done on toes or feet, you know, really starting to get into to some of those markets as well. And there's some really interesting concepts there and really sort of getting toward almost like a custom fit. So a lot of different configurations of similar designs and, you know, requires us to sort of be on our toes with the way we design our manufacturing process. Literally um, to on your toes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So basically you make all of the cool things that we see on x-rays on dodgy TV shows where people have had accidents. 
Yeah, yeah, I guess that's a good way to put it. And Amazing. We, we have quite a, a bit of that throughout the shop as well. Really important in the culture. What we do is important and helps improve people's lives and you know, reminding the folks that work there every day that the stuff that you're working on is, is going to go into somebody's body. And yeah. so it's, it's really important that we keep that message alive. And you'll see that if you ever, you know, uh, stop by our facility and got it on just about every wall. Our owner love doesn't it. really like white space, so um, there's murals <laughs> everywhere. I love that. And it genuinely is absolutely life-changing. I mean, this technology has enabled people who would, you know, otherwise potentially not walk be able to have a life. So it's incredible work that you're devising and manufacturing there in Berlin, isn't it? It sure is. I've been in this space my whole life and I'm still amazed or my whole adult life, I should say, but still <laughs> amazed that, you know, the volume and the, the new designs that come out are really driving toward the minimally invasive, you know, surgeries and getting people back on their feet more quickly. And, you know, with less impact and less chance for infection. And it's just amazing the progression that's gone on in the last you know, 15 years or so that I've been a part of it. I was just going to say, it must be exciting because it is something that's always evolving with new technology and scientific developments and things. It must be a, a never ending sort of task. It's not the mundane, is it? It's it's going to be changing all the time. It is. And, and you know, especially since I've joined Tom's, you know, getting into the different market segments and just that in and of itself sort of presents new challenges every day and new technologies, new equipment, new manufacturing processes and post-machining operations. And it's just, it's it's pretty interesting stuff. And like you said, it's it's ever-changing. Exciting stuff. Now, you mentioned that you've been in this business for, for quite a some time now. Tell me a little bit about your career to date and how your role arrived at this role at Tom's. Yes, I sort of, I grew up in like rural New Hampshire where there wasn't much to do. So you either played sports or got in trouble. So my dad and you know, so you did both, family. yeah? <laughs> More so played sports, but, you know, uh, my kids might hear this, so I won't tell them about too many of the, you know, the trouble that I got into. But, um, yeah, so when when I got to high school, my high school, it was a regional school that pulled from six towns, and they had just started a new program that was geared toward, I guess it's STEM now, but it was called Project Lead the Way, and it was really the, you know, foundation of engineering thought process and, you know, logical thinking. And it was classes that were geared towards, you know, people with that aptitude that were looking to either go the, the technical school route after high school or, you know, go into manufacturing or engineering after high school. So I went through that course. I was lucky enough that my freshman year of high school, it was the sort of first offering of that class. And so I got to go through the whole process and it really, it intrigued me and I was always that kid that took stuff apart in the garage and, you know, tried to put it back together and, oh, yes. you know, make it a little bit better or maybe just make sure it worked when I was done. I was always fascinated by that. So then to have this education behind it to really understand why, you know, I had the hands-on part of it where I thought I did and, you know, some of the math and some of the science behind what's going on inside of those controls that I was taking apart. You know, it really sort of started my enjoyment and started my learning process in that manner. So came to Connecticut, went to University of New Haven. My junior year, I took an internship and I was at a manufacturer in Milford, Connecticut. And it was really the start of, I guess, my adult life. I was going to school and, and then after school, after classes, going in and, you know, putting in some time on the floor and sort of getting to learn the lay of the land and, and how things were made and how things worked in the real life. They didn't really appreciate it when I started taking things apart to see how they worked, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it 
but yeah, so it started from there, sort of right out of college. You know, I graduated while I was still there. Uh, they offered me a full-time position. It was a, a smaller facility. So I was kind of fortunate in that I had an opportunity to explore a lot of different areas within the organization. So um, obviously engineering being where I was most drawn to started there as a, a quality engineer and, you know, manufacturing engineering support. And eventually as I got better with the project planning, took on some project planning roles and again, sort of worked my way through the organization. And, and then they were acquired by a large conglomerate that had their hands, you know, thousands of employees worldwide and billions of dollars of revenue. And I uh, was their first soiree into medical device. So they purchased a, you know, a handful of these companies similar to ours and built a med tech group and tried it for a few years, found it wasn't really for them. So sold the whole portfolio to somebody that was a basically professional in, in orthopedic manufacturing. So became part of that organization. And I was there till about three years ago. And that's when I joined Tom's Corporation. And so I was fortunate when I exited my previous organization, I was plant manager there. So I had, again, done all of the engineering stuff and early in my career and, and sort of worked my way through supply chain and project management and, you know, all the customer interfacing roles and all the operations support. And so now I find myself at Tom's as vice president of operations. And that brings me on to my next question. VP of operations, what, what do you do on the day to day? What is your daily schedule look like, I guess. And I'd love to know a little more about the company. Where did the name come from and what's the structure there? So it's a privately held company. It was started uh, 1986. So the name is the initials of the owner's family. So T for Tom, O for Ola, M for Maria, and Z for Zabig. So it's a good job you remembered all of those. You know that, yeah. don't you? <laughs> I know, I know my job was on the line there. Um, so Zabig started the company, you know, started it from a, a small space with a couple of machines and has grown to we're at 100 machines in connecticut and last august we actually expanded to a second facility in indiana so we've got an additional 40 machines there so quite a long way we've come in in 30 plus years uh, that we've been in business tom is the second generation owner and ceo so he's uh very involved day to day as is a big the big is still very much in the picture you know, he's on the floor every day, shaking hands and saying hi and seeing what's going on. And, you know, not just a figurehead. I mean, he plays an active role in, you know, day-to-day -day conversations and strategy and planning and scheduling. And yeah, so it still has that, you know, smaller shop, privately held feel, but we're also growing and expanding. As I said, we've got a second division. We've added to the C-level group. So we've got, you know, a CFO and chief quality officer, chief manufacturing officer. So, you know, we, we're, we're sort of starting to become, you know, more than just the mom and pop uh, shop that we were in the past and moving toward, you know, that organization of the future that's, that's really driven toward technology and innovation and not just keeping up with the pace of, of everyday life, but, you know, leading the pace and setting the example for, for other manufacturers in the space. Exciting times for sure. How many employees are there across Connecticut and Indiana? Yeah, so uh, Connecticut has around 240, and in Indiana, I believe we're at 45. Wow, really fast expansion. That's fantastic. Um, tell me a little bit more about the equipment or machinery that you use on the shop floor to make your products. Sure. So a lot of lathe work. So as I said, it's a lot of the implants that we make are a lot primarily screws and, and rods, so a lot of round things, things that turn. So we have a lot of Swiss lathes, 
like I said, we've got about 100 machines in Connecticut. Some are geared towards really high volume. So it, it almost looks like a spaceship if you've ever been on our website or, or seen what I'm talking about, but they're index machines. So essentially it takes the base model, which we have 60 of, and replaces about six of them just in one machine. Obviously it's a larger footprint, but makes the high volume work much easier for us yep. uh, and much faster for us to be able to produce. So when we get those projects from the customers where it makes sense, where you know the volume is adequate, we can gear up for the index machine and you know really plan around running high volume day in and day out. And it takes a little while to set them up, but once they're set up, I mean, they, they run and will run the same job for months which is kind of a, a change from a lot of the legacy like citizens and Tsugamis that we have where they might run for you know anywhere from a couple of hours to maybe a couple of days and there's a few jobs that you know we run for a couple of weeks at a time but that's pretty pretty rare in this space because like I said there's you know a bunch of different designs we may have a hundred different designs from our various customers going through the shop. And within those designs, there's 150 different variations, whether it's the size of the screw that changes or, you know, the configuration of rings and housing geometries, you know, all the IP things that these different OEMs have to fight against each other on, you know, to make their product perform just that much better than what's in the market and what the predicate designs are. Basically, no two, I guess, setups are the same or no two machines setups are the same. Yeah, I mean, there are products that the volume doesn't quite make sense to put them on an index machine. So we'll run them on a Citizen or a Tsugami for a couple of weeks at a time or set up multiple pieces of equipment to run that same product. But yeah, I mean, those are geared and do well with those long running setups as well. And, and obviously that's easier work for us. I mean, the less time that we're setting up and, and changing tools over, I mean, that's more time that the spindles are turning. And obviously that's better for us, but you know, we have a great staff and great group of folks that are able to turn the machines over quickly and get them back into production. So we're not afraid to, to get the smaller jobs and be able to turn them quickly because we've got the right people in place to, to be able to do that. So no job is too big or too small. So we talked briefly about obviously your background in terms of your STEM training, if you like, and then moving to the University of New Haven and interning. But what would you say, what skills or educational training have been the most important to you in your paid roles? What would you say has been the most useful skills or lessons that you've learned through education? I mean, time management and project management. So being able to understand the resources, understand what the scope of the project is and you know what needs to get done today versus what needs to get done this week and what needs to get done this month. And being able to set those priorities and, and really knowing what resources are available to me to, to complete those tasks. I think it stems from going back to the high school program where it, it was logical thought process. So what's step one and work all the way through step 10, 11, 12 or 100, however many steps there are, work through it. But planning things out sort of on a, a macro scale and then also on a micro scale and understanding that by the time I get to step 50, that may change a little bit and is very likely to change even by the time I get to step three, maybe, you know, depending on how step one and two go. So really that ability to, to set up a, a sound, logical project plan and then being able to adapt to the ever-changing climate because things change and that's just something that we have to be prepared for. So not getting stressed out or, or overly stressed out, a little bit of stress, a little bit of tension is good, but, you know, not allowing that to impede your, your abilities to get the job done. 
do you look for now that you are the VP of operations? You've got, you know, your, your big title now. What do you look for when somebody applies for a role at the company? Are there any skills or attributes that you're looking for on a resume for potential employees? I like to see growth. I like to see growth on the resume. I like to see a clear trajectory or, or at least, you know, have somebody that can, you know, explain the different roles that they've had and Maybe it's biased a little bit by my history where I had the ability to sort of work my way through the organization and touch every role. I think that's important, obviously, depending on the role that they're applying for. But I think it's important that if you're taking on a management or a leadership role, that you at least have some background knowledge of what it is that you're managing and the you know type of role that it is and the responsibilities that are required, you know, because ultimately it's, especially in a leadership role, right, you're filling a role that's responsible for other people and their success. And ultimately the success of the company is dependent on everybody succeeding. So, you know, being able to show sort of that logical progression of, you know, Hey, this person has a solid background. They've got, you know, on paper, at least they've got the skills to be able to perform what we need to them, them to perform. I like to also see folks that are, you know, well-rounded, you know, if it's completely linear and, Hey, I was, uh, you know, lowercase a and now an uppercase a and <laughs> well, that that's great. And if, <laughs> if that's what I need, then, you know, excellent. But at the same time, if I'm looking for somebody that needs to be versatile and I mean, nothing nowadays is, you know, so cut and dry there, you need to be able to adapt and you need to be able to change. And if you've got that on your resume, where I can see that, you know, you've got some history in, in a few different roles and, and they're, you know, somewhat progressing toward this role, then I think, you know, with a little bit of coaching and I think that tells a lot about that person as an individual and in their coachability and, and their ability to sort of take on new challenges. Very much so. Um, and their potential, their character and their potential. How has your business been affected by, I guess, the supply chain issues that we're seeing all over the world at the moment? And have you seen a resurgence of, of Buy American? And what's your industry like? Is there a lot of overseas imports or is there you know, a fairly steadfast customer base for Buy American? So our supply chain through COVID actually wasn't, wasn't all that impacted. So we already purchased all of our raw materials, again, mostly titanium, Cobalt Chrome, it's it's our stock material. We're buying that all American from American melt sources already. And so through COVID, it, it wasn't really impacted all that much. As of late, it's starting to, you know, feel the pressures of what's going on in the world. And so that's the lead times there are extending a little bit and the surcharges and the prices are going up. So definitely noticing a, a bit of an impact there and, and our customers are feeling it too. And, and they sort of feel the uncertainty of, Hey, what does this mean? You know, the eight week lead time that I used to have, is that now impacted by your ability to get material? And so we get that question way more frequently than I don't think I've ever had anybody ask me that in the past. And I've probably heard it from every one of the customers that we service, you know, just in the last three months and for obvious reasons, but we do a great job. We've got a great supply chain team and, you know, multiple sources that are available to us and really great partnerships with those suppliers. So. We've done a, a good job of minimizing the impact and, you know, planning out what our demand was so we could handle at least a, a little spike here. And we're in good shape. The industry overall, I think, is feeling the pressure and certainly in different segments of orthopedic manufacturing, felt it 
probably harder than we did, you know, with some of the elective surgeries being deferred through COVID and, and whatnot. But all the reports that I've read are, are showing that, you know, whatever blips there were out there for that part of the market are, are sort of coming back and almost higher than people predicted. And so that's creating its challenges as well. But our business, I mean, we were able to maintain a steady headcount through the entire COVID period. And I think that's over now, hopefully um, <laughs> we're knocking on wood, but- Fingers crossed, um, touching wood. Yeah, yeah, right. Like I said, we were able to, you know, maintain our headcount. You know, there were no reductions in force and we kept everybody busy and basically at the same pace that we were at previously, again, managed our, our customer base, managed our suppliers and made sure that we were, you know, building for upside of the curve when we did come out of COVID and for anybody that had retracted a little bit, really planned our resources out and got the best utilization out of our equipment and out of the staff as we could. And yeah, tried to just keep people busy, keep people employed that wanted to be. And, you know, obviously we had a few folks that, you know, for personal reasons or whatever health reasons had to stay home with their family. And, you know, that's understandable. It's, you know, certainly uh unprecedented time. So dealt with those challenges and coming out the other on. side of it. Yeah. <laughs> ride right. the wave, ride the wave, as they say. Right. So other than coronavirus, wars, what else is going on in the world, supply chain issues. Are you tackling any other challenges at the moment or even new opportunities? Is there anything that you're working on at the moment with either challenges or, or new opportunities? Yeah, I mean, challenges for sure, you know, with the status of the workforce and in particular here in Connecticut, I mean, there's a lot of highly technical jobs that are unfilled and it requires a very specific group of people and they're all gainfully employed and, you know, <laughs> seem to be happy where they're at. I think the workforce here in Connecticut with coronavirus being a thing of the past and a lot of these other companies that may have been impacted during that time that are sort of coming out of the other side, as you said, and starting to build back up, you know, they're growing their workforces and overall, it's a good time to be skilled laborer in the state of Connecticut. You can kind of call your shots and pick your path. And, you know, for that reason, we're doing a lot on the employee engagement front, you know, keeping our folks engaged. And, you know, we put a lot of effort into these training programs that we put together and, you know, bringing folks up to speed on the products and the culture and, you know, everything that goes into operating a business. And, you know, so to keep those folks actively engaged in what we're doing day to day and, you know, make sure that we're doing everything we can to, you know, keep our folks happy and, and engaged in what we're doing and in our mission to combat the skills gap We've had some ads out for a while looking for, you know, skilled machinists and skilled inspectors, really moving toward that innovation and technology for, you know, additional equipment and, you know, high tech inspection gear. And, and, you know, that requires a certain skill set to be able to program and, and operate those machines as well. But, you know, really moving toward that as the way of the future anyway, I mean, uh, that's, that's where everybody's sort of headed and, and we were trying to lead that charge and, exploring a lot of new technology, not just on the, the manufacturing side and, you know, where we're cutting chips on new equipment, but also on how we check these parts and how we start building those into what we do every day and how we do it more effectively and more efficiently. One of the things that that comes up quite often in the Meet the Manufacturers podcast as a, as a potential challenge, should we say, has been recruiting and, and obviously maintaining 
a happy workforce because you're right there is such a a demand out there for skilled manufacturers uh, on the shop floor it's interesting to hear it from a management point of view of, of how you're trying to keep them happy it's kind of interesting to turn it like that if you see what i mean with that in mind have you got any predictions about the future of manufacturing and doing business i guess in the state of connecticut yeah, I, I mean, like I said, it's a challenging market. You have to keep manufacturers happy and, you know, your folks that are getting the job done out on the floor day in and day out. We're blessed with a, an excellent staff that, you know, are able to do that. And just supplementing that, you know, putting their talents and growing their talents to be able to work on the high-tech equipment. Really, that's where I see the edge. That's that's where manufacturers, not just here in Connecticut, but Globally, that's where everybody's headed is with the high tech, you know, robots, feeding machines and getting better uptime and utilization out of the equipment. And, you know, anything that you can do on the tech side to be able to help support that, you know, clearly we're still going to need our folks that know how to set tools and set up equipment and program and, you know, support the manufacturing process, but really staying on the cutting edge of the tech. That's the avenue we're taking and seems to be pretty common with everybody that I talk to in industry as well. Absolutely. What would you say has been your biggest success in your career so far, both professionally and personally? Talking professionally, you know, I would see my biggest success was my ability to sort of grow through the ranks uh, at a previous company, but then also transition to a similar role at a different company that had a much different business structure and, and approach and sort of prove that the skills that I had learned and approach that I took at my previous employer were indeed transferable. And, and I was able to sort of pick up the pieces and, and still be successful at a new company with a, a different approach at similar business, yeah. being able to sort of reaffirm all the good things that I had learned at my first organization here within my second. And then on a personal level, got a, a wonderful family, family life. You know, I've been married now. This will be my 12th year got uh wow twin you know you get boys. you get you get less for attempted murder in the uk <laughs> <laughs> uh, i know it <laughs> uh, sorry you were saying about your children what, what, tell yeah me so it. i've got uh twin eight-year-old boys and, wow. and they're yeah they're a handful and also a lot of fun they're way into baseball which was my sport as a kid so you know obviously i'm the little league coach there now and uh, <laughs> so run from my day job to you know, herding cats and, yeah, uh, you know, a dozen eight-year-olds, seven and eight-year-olds <laughs> with we baseball bats. What could go wrong? I mean, <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> that does lead me on nicely to, you know, what do you like to do to unwind? I mean, other than family and, and being the little league coach, what do you like to do to unwind and relax and, and to deal with any stress from work? Yeah. Outside of just the family, you know, I enjoy being outside. I mean, uh, we started the conversation, you could hear the birds and so <laughs> I love being outside as, as much as possible. You know, I like to fish and hike and pick up a golf club once in a while and hey. <laughs> probably uh, much to the chagrin of the groundskeeper at the golf course, but <laughs> you're going to have to employed. So. You're going to have to sign up for the, uh, the annual golf event that manufacturers it's full. On. It's full it's, this year, but you're gonna have to get your name yeah. down for next year. It's oh. It's a riot. It's just yeah. We participated thing. last year. Uh, we had a foursome, and it was interesting. <laughs> it <laughs> was a, it you... was a great it was a great event. I meant the golf. Yeah, you your were, golf. How did you, you were, do? Uh, um, I think we actually got third, but oh, okay, was, uh, okay. You're you're very humble then, because uh, I, yeah. I 
to get third at that event means you're pretty good. So uh, yeah. you know more than yeah. one end of a golf club, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, okay, last couple of questions for you, if I may, then. Has manufacturing delivered everything that you hoped it would in terms of your career? You know, is it, is it given you both the professional and the personal life you would always hope for, I guess? Yeah, it has. I mean, I've got friends all over the world that I've met, you know, through my years at my previous employer and, and now at Tom's. And, you know, I, I go to a trade show or just, you know, traveling. I've, I've got friends in, you know, all parts of this country where if I'm in, California for, you know, an extended weekend or something like that. I've got somebody I can call up and, you know, go have a pint and talk about old times. And, you know, so really got to, yeah, play golf. (laughs) Um, I've got that sort of extended network of, you know, people that I've grown close to and and had, you know, good relationships over the years and very happy in, in my family life. And it's, you know, afforded me that opportunity to, you know, be successful, not just at work, but at home with, with a, Obviously we work hard, play hard, but that good work-life balance. And I don't know anything different, so I don't really know. I, I guess my wife is the true judge of whether I have good work-life balance or not, but. Um, <laughs> very true, very true. Yeah. That's the holy grail, isn't it? That work-life balance is the holy grail, I believe. The older I yeah, get, the sure. more I believe it anyway. Listen, if people want to carry on the conversation with you or find out more about Tom's, how can they reach you? Is there a website, social media, LinkedIn? What would you prefer? Yeah, so definitely LinkedIn. Tom's is all over the social media. We've got a very good following there and there's a lot of good content. Even if you're not interested in the services that we provide, there's always content on there on the new technologies that we're exploring, the new equipment that's hitting the floor. And you know, if it's just something you want to check out and take a take a shop floor tour, let us know. We can arrange that. We work with a lot of the area schools and you know, go to a lot of the career fairs and, and talk to kids there and, and talk to folks that are, you know, through the skills up programs and, you know, the people that are looking to make a change and, and want to get into manufacturing. So any support we can provide there and certainly reach out. Like I said, we're on LinkedIn, toms.com, T-O-M-Z.com. You know, there's a list there on our careers as well, but a lot of content, you know, videos going back, you know, through our archives and photos of the shop the way it was 30 years ago and versus today and a lot of interesting content there and some of the partners some of the you know equipment manufacturers that we work directly with check it out then on the website that's t-o-m-z.com i nearly said zed but nearly <laughs> uh chris it's been such a pleasure meeting you today and having a chat and learning more about the life-saving technology that you create uh, thank you so much for being a part of meet the manufacturers it's been a real privilege and uh Good luck to you. I look forward to hearing about your next adventures and expansions with Tom's. Thank you very much for having me on. It was a great conversation and look forward to more in the future. You got it. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Meet the Manufacturers, brought to you by Manufacture CT. If you would like to find out more about Manufacture CT or you would like to join the organization, visit the website manufacturect.org. This podcast is sponsored by Cone Resnick, advisory, assurance, tax. Visit their website, coneresnick.com. If you have enjoyed listening to this episode and want to find out more about the vibrant and thriving manufacturing community in Connecticut, subscribe to and share this podcast today.
Meet the Manufacturers is available on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Spotify.